millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. With me, Harriet Minter, Emma Sexton, and this week, Amanda Prowse. This week, we meet leader of the Women's Equality Party, Mandy Reid, and get a catch-up on the Women's World Cup. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! We're going to talk now to a woman who wants to change some things, and we're very excited about that. Mandy Reid, leader of the Women's Equality Party, welcome to Badass Women's Hour. Hi, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we've just been chatting about the advertising stereotypes, but we're going to get your view quickly. What do you think? Do you think it's going to help? What, changing the... Yes, of yeah. course it will. Um, I was with um, some senior folks from Unilever earlier this week, and they reach every single day 2 billion people around the wow. world with um, all of the content they put out to support and promote their products. And, you know, young kids, that's often their first exposure they get to what norms are. And so, of course, it creates a kind of climate where um, the impressions and ambitions and imagination people have around what's possible for them in their life, um, they have huge power and influence over that so it's a big deal we oh, mustn't I underestimate how important this is i was celebrating this week when that when that <laughs> um kind of news came to the fore fingers crossed it makes a difference i really hope so uh now Mandy, you are the leader of the women's equality party here about our swims are all three of us me emma and amanda we are all paid up members Woo-hoo. of the women's equality party we love it my kind of women <laughs> but I feel like not enough people out there know you, know who you are, know what you do. So tell us a little bit about the history of the Women's Equality Party and then what it aims to do. So um, we are kind of new kids on the block Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to politics in Britain. We're only four years old and we were founded because um, it was pretty clear when you looked at the political establishment that there wasn't enough ambition from any of the major political parties and not enough of the major politicians around gender equality. And so we exist really to um, create a scenario where we lead the way and show the main and major actors what they ought to be doing if they're serious about gender equality. And we're different from other political parties because a political party normally, normally what it wants to do is perpetuate its existence into eternity. We don't want to do that. I would like to be lying on a beach in Barbados in 10 years because our work is done because the other players out there have stepped up their game and taken the issues that we champion and we fight for a lot more seriously and you are the first 
black leader, not even the first black female leader, the first black leader of any UK political party. That's right, any national political party. Yeah. Why has it taken till 2019 for that to happen? Well, it's, it's straightforward, really. You know, we have um, across our culture, across our country, all sorts of in some cases, it's invisible, but structural inequality that makes it more difficult for people of certain backgrounds, certain demographic characteristics, be they women, be they people of colour, be they disabled people, makes it much more difficult for them to fulfil their potential. And so in my case, um, I am uh, a black woman. And so there are at least two uh, you yeah. know, facets of that inequality that, that would be working kind of against me having a smooth path towards some of the things that I want to achieve. And, and, and it really boils down to that. And I actually was a little bit nervous about uh, kind of stepping up to this, to this role because I, I didn't want it to be seen as um, a kind of tokenistic thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was anxious I'd be seen in that way. I was also anxious that it would be, um, that it, there would be a lot of hazards, you know? Look at Diane Abbott, how much yeah. kind of grief she gets. And that primarily is because she is a black woman. But in the end, it feels right because uh, linking to the discussion you were having earlier about advertising, I think having people visible doing things in, in places where they may not have been welcome or may not have been well represented actually is not window dressing. It's a huge deal and it sets an example. And so I'm going to try my best to set a good example. How has it been for you so far? Because it is... I think you put yourself on a, you know, on a platform to really receive all the abuse, all the hate, all the difficult questions... Being a politician at the best of times is not a loved job. Being a politician of an emerging party that doesn't have huge amounts of support, huge amounts of money, huge platforms to talk about, and a black woman, all of this all together, how are you dealing with all that? Well, um, you know, I have a kind of cocktail of emotions yeah. around it. Um, contradictory emotions in some respects you know on the one hand I do feel humbled and I feel proud and those things are contradictory yeah. right on the other hand um there are there are things that I'm frustrated about because um our party is you know we're we're a small party but a growing party and we actually don't get the airtime um, we deserve, yep. I, I would argue. Mm. I would and agree. I want to do a comparison between, you know, our party and another party that tried to kind of, uh, you know, make its mark recently, mm -hmm. Change UK, right? Yep. Change UK had an abundance of resources that completely dwarfs what, what, what we have ever had, an abundance of press and airtime. And look how they've kind of fizzled out into nothing. Here we are, four years later, still influencing. So on the one hand, I have a little bit of frustration yeah. because the um, establishment and the systems that, that govern how politics is choreographed in this country work against us. We have to struggle and grapple to get airtime for the things we're fighting for. Um, so that is frustrating. But on the other hand, I'm really proud that despite mm. all those things, yeah. we've already had an immense influence. Um, yeah. And we've done that on a shoestring. We've done that on the strength and passion and energy and commitment of our activists, of our people up and down the country. Four years, we've got 75 branches. We've got tens of thousands of reg registered supporters and members. And so, actually, imagine if we did have the resources and press time, uh, uh, an entity like 
Change UK or the Brexit party had. Imagine how quickly we could do the work that needs to be done to close the gender inequality gap and I can go lie on the beach in Barbados. <laughs> Are there any examples, Mandy, where you've started a conversation that the mainstream parties have had to pick up and act on because you're raising the conversation? Yeah, there, there are a couple of examples of that. Um, one example is uh, the electoral contest for the Liverpool Metro mayor, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, we put our candidate in the mix for that. Brilliant woman. Get her on here, Tabitha Morton. Um, now, what she did was she um, made sure that the issue of ending violence against women and girls, domestic violence, was centred in her campaign. She gave it airtime. She stood up and spoke passionately about that every opportunity she got during the campaign. And what happened was Steve Rotherham, who was the, the Labour candidate, who was kind of a shoe-in. It's a, you know, Labour yep. do well in Liverpool, um, in, that, in that area, Merseyside. And so uh, what happened was um, he started talking about it, but that wasn't his plan A. He thought, hang on a minute, there's a threat here and I may well hemorrhage, particularly uh, women voters, if I don't pick this up. Not only, and credit to him, not only did he start talking about it in the campaign, when he was elected, he brought Tabitha in and together they developed a citywide strategy to tackle that issue that's funded and made a huge difference. If it wasn't for us, that issue would have not, not been surfaced during the campaign. Another example, uh, at the last Labour Party conference, J Jeremy Corbyn's flagship announcement, I mean, this is unprecedented, his flagship announcement was all about childcare. I mean, I give him a B- minus for it because it wasn't ambitious <laughs> enough. If he wants to know what needs to be done, plagiarise our damn manifesto, it's all there. But hey, his flagship <laughs> announcement was all about childcare, yeah? And that sort of thing, I think, is partly the result of us raising the profile of these issues and showing that it's politically expedient for those who do have power to take it on. And one last example, I've got to give you this yep. example. Every time we stand, what we kind of see happening is that there's a higher probability of the other parties, because we like to announce our candidacies as early as we can, there's a higher probability of the other parties standing women, right? Mm -hmm. So that by itself creates... A, a significant movement towards one of our major goals, which is equal representation. They do that because of the threat we potentially pose. To neutralise the impact we have, they are more likely to put women up. That's what happened in the campaign I contested last year, the parliamentary by-election yep. in Lewisham East. Um, that's what happened. In fact, it was... Yeah. So those are three pretty solid examples, I think, of can how I, we actually do have an influence. Can I ask, Women's Equality Party, yeah. obviously when it launched, everyone, why has it got women in the title? Yeah. Is it just about women? Or, <laughs> Where's the Men's Equality Party? Where's the Men's Equality Party? <laughs> no. Um, would you ever stand a male candidate? Um, when the uh, representation in, across politics is sorted out, why not? Let's yeah. talk about it then. But for now, until while we have a situation where um, you know women are outnumbered uh, two to one in, in Parliament, and you know the figures are even worse when you look at kind of local government representation, it wouldn't make sense. One of our goals is equal representation. I want men in this party, though, and I want men who see this as a problem and are prepared to fight alongside us to change it. And when they've done that leg work and when we've got equal representation we may well stand men as candidates who knows but i think we're a long way off that we're going to keep talking to mandy here on badass women's hour excel badass women's hour excel on talk radio she'll get you talking we are talking to mandy reed leader of the women's equality party uh mandy before the break we were talking about the way that the women's equality party has influenced the policies of some of the other parties 
Is your goal to influence or is it to obtain power? Uh, it's it's a bit of both, of mm. course. Um, as I say, because we're smaller and have um, less resources than some of the big players out there, we do have to, to an extent, resort to guerrilla tactics. Yeah. And we're operating in a system that's heavily stacked against us. So in a, in a kind of parliamentary contest where it's first past the post, it is very difficult for us. Yeah. I mean, look how hard the Greens had to fight to win yeah. their one seat and look how hard they have to fight to keep hold of that seat. But of course we will contest for all the reasons I've already explained because we do exert an influence. But there are situations, for example, um, May next year, London 2020, um, that is a proportional representation system in, in London to elect the mayor and the uh, London Assembly. Um, we're going to win a seat then. Yeah. And uh, we nearly did. We were six months old the last time we contested. Yeah. We had no name recognition and we got within a whisker. UKIP yeah. have two seats on the London Assembly and um, they're not going to hold on to those seats. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to say though on that is we have elected our very first uh, uh, we have had the first Women's Equality Party elected official in place so I want to like give it up for Kay Wesley in Congleton who was elected at the last local elections and she has already made a blistering start to kind of influencing, changing things and shaking things up in East Cheshire. That's amazing. Amazing. I think it's so interesting when we think about politics to think that it is all just at that kind of top senior level and not to realise actually the influence and difference you can make through local government and local elections. Um, I have to also ask you about the Tory leadership race <laughs> because I opened the paper this morning and I was confronted with this, I think we're, I think we're currently on six, six candidates. <laughs> it might have changed in between then and now, who knows. Uh, and they were all men. Yep. There was only one man who was not a white man. Um, and I looked at it and they'd all been, I think with the exception of one, they've all been to public school with, uh, they've all been through the same university system. How do you think we even begin to change politics when that is still the dominant background of people, when it is still dominated by white men who have been to private schools, who have been to top-tier universities, and they're just bringing their mates in, left, right and centre. It felt, when I saw that picture, I honestly, I felt really, I felt depressed by our political system. Is yeah, it going to change? Tell me What's your it. view on it? Well, um, what do we do about it? I think we have to hold our nerve. We really have to. Um, and what I mean by that is we have to stick to what we think is right and what really matters rather than what is convenient. Mm. Because when it comes down to it, um, there is a kind of long established tradition of who wields power, who holds on to power in this country. That doesn't dissolve itself overnight. And my God, does it cling. But what, what I believe is that even when there's the temptation to kind of um, shift towards something that, like change our name to just the Equality yeah. Party or shift towards something that looks like it might make us more palatable, I think that is actually what the system wants us to do. Nothing would make Boris Johnson and all those folks on that list of candidates happier than if we started to kind of compromise and melt into um, the status quo they are clinging on to so desperately. Um, so I think we're at a stage now, and I want, I want to say this because there are reasons to be optimistic, even though it feels very bleak and glum and dark and miserable yeah. when you look at politics in this country. 
The old status quo, I believe, is fracturing. It is in an advanced state of disintegration. These divisions within the Tory party, within the Labour party, have reached this kind of crisis point, and I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't some serious fracturing that happens over the next 12 months. We need to be there, and we will be there, to be a positive influence when all that kind of chaos starts to take hold. How do you feel about the idea, though, of Boris Johnson as Prime Minister? Um, I feel really depressed at that prospect because, you know, the office of prime minister is, it is, it's the highest political seat in the land and one of the most influential kind of political roles in the world. Britain hasn't yep. quite yet um, vanished into total irrelevance, but who knows what will happen with Brexit and how that kind of pans out. So for me, to have somebody who um, has demonstrated time and time again that they have a kind of total disregard for um, the dignity of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people around the world by the comments that they've made, mm -hmm. um, who has prioritised time and time again their own kind of political career over the people they're supposedly supposed to represent, I do feel really disappointed. But on the other hand, the advantage having someone like him in post gives people like us is you can no longer um, hide behind this thing of plausible deniability. Because yep. a lot of people say, oh, is it really needed? Do you really need... Uh, parties like you doing what you do and I always say yes but this actually makes the case for us um, in nice shorthand if people like that can wield power um, at having he's never kind of really apologized in fact this week when he was confronted by the journalist at the launch of his conference he just said people really want to know don't they um, what politicians think so he reinforced the fact that some of those terrible things he says are his true view so on the other hand it, it, it means people who might be a bit iffy about whether there really is disadvantage in this country, injustice that needs to be tackled, he makes the point for us that, of course, there damn well is. And so work needs to be done. Come and join us to actually take that fight to uh, the people who are clinging on to the old status quo. We've talked a lot tonight about that sort of the, the typical background, the typical one of politicians and, and you, you know, you as a, uh, the party being the disruptors. What's been your background to get you into the position that you are now? Have mm -hmm. you come through? I mean, I, I know little about, you know, the road to get you to, to politics, but we know that a lot of them come from the same um, the same kind of journey. What's been your background to get into politics? Um First of all, I really didn't expect to, I'm 38 years old, to find myself doing what I'm doing right now. That that was not something I would have predicted. Um, however, I've always, I grew up um, in Southern Africa in the shadow of apartheid South Africa. My mum's black, my dad's white, and the existence of our family was politically significant because of that. And so from a young age, the idea of injustice being a very kind of poignant, obvious, in-your-face thing that needs to be challenged was just part of my, my makeup. I'll confess that... And this may be weird as the leader of the Women's Equality Party, I wasn't, I was a kind of late developer when it comes to feminism. Um, I was much more tuned into the kind of inequality from the point of view of racial inequality. And it took me until my mid-20s to really appreciate that my God, there's work to do on the gender inequality front and there's probably a lot more work to do when you look at it from some perspectives. And then some personal experiences really influenced my journey. Um, 
I was a member of the Labour Party for a short while. In 2010, I joined the Labour Party and tried to get involved locally, but that didn't work for me. Um, I, I joined because I wanted to, I knew what would happen with austerity and I was terrified of the havoc that would wreak and I wanted to be part of tackling it. Anyway, never mind that. After my experience in the Labour Party, I vowed never to join a political party. <laughs> when I was 33, I uh, got pregnant um, and it wasn't planned and... Um, the dad was a little bit younger than me um, and we had conversations about what to do and uh, I, it's strange to say it but neither of us could imagine a situation where I wasn't going to be the sole or main caregiver of the child. Neither of us could even imagine that when we were discussing how to deal with this. Um, and what that, in the end, I wanted to pursue some of my career ambitions. I looked, I crunched the numbers, I looked at the cost of having a young child in full-time childcare in London. It's about 20 grand a year, mm -hmm. um, five days a week, 10 hours a day. I, that, that wasn't going to be compatible with my kind of plans for my career, my ambitions, the potential in myself that I wanted to fulfill. So I had an abortion. Um, and actually, when I discovered the Women's Equality Party and I learned about the policies we're fighting for in relation to equal parenting and caregiving, I realised that this isn't just interesting, this is something that I've got to get involved in and involved in a hands-on way. Because if those policies were the real deal, if those yeah. were the law, I could have made a different decision mm -hmm. when I was age 33 yeah. and be able to balance the things things that I wanted to balance and possibly all this stuff about stereotypes and whatever else um, if, if we were yeah. further along with that maybe me and this man would have been able to imagine him mm -hmm. having a more hands-on <laughs> yeah. role you know so yeah. it's a huge deal some of these things that look like they're just surface they are not surface and so for me I joined the Women's Equality Party because I saw in our manifesto something that would have been transformative for me and no doubt transformative for millions of women and men mm -hmm. all around the country and so it was really that that propelled me and here I am today. <laughs> yeah. We're so pleased you are. If people want to join the Women's Equality Party, one thing I will say is you can join the Women's Equality Party and be a member of another political party. Oh, no yes. one else lets you do that. No, we, we, I have no problem with political <laughs> promiscuity, actually. That does make us different from some of the other parties. We will work with um, people that share our values, but if they have some other stuff that they're also committed to, other allegiances, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you absolutely should. Where can people find out more about the Women's Equality Party? Um, they can go to our website, of course, womensequalityparty.org.uk, or you can come to um, a party we're having on the 27th of June. Um, Sandy Toxvig is doing a, her one-woman show at the Hackney Empire. It's a Amazing. fundraiser for the Women's Equality Party, but she's funny, so you'll yeah. get to have a laugh, <laughs> as well as contributing to our mission to kind of consign gender inequality to the dustbin of history. So come Amazing. to that. Come to that. I'll thank be there. You. Andy, thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us. We've loved having you. Mandy Reid, leader of the Women's Equality Party. Before you go, who would you want to win the Tory leadership race? Is oh, there anyone? I, I can't. That is a poison chalice. I, <laughs> I would all... Oh. You know what? Yeah. Um, I thought Matt Hancock was the best of a bad bunch, yeah. but he's bowed out he's now. Gonna. I'm disappointed because I could just about have stomached him being in charge. Jeremy Hunt? Um, no. <laughs> no. Zero. I'm sorry, I refuse to kind of uh, uh, pledge allegiance to any of those. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up next, we're talking about the Women's World Cup and asking, why are we calling it the Women's World Cup? That's next here on Badass Women's Hour XL. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. The Women's World Cup is happening here to give us a little update, host of the Offside Rule podcast, Kate Ball. Say hello, Kate. Hello. Thanks for having me on. So for anyone who's not up to date, how's it going? How are we doing? Mm -hmm. What are the key things we need to know about? Okay, so from a home nation's perspective, so England and Scotland, the Lionesses, England, are through to the last 16. So they've done the job. Whoop, whoop, whoop. (laughs) Oh, the ladies. Uh, They have done the job. So they're through to the last 16. That means that they've won enough... Uh, matches in their group which is what we're in at the moment the group stages to get through to the last 16 Scotland not faring so well but this is their first World Cup they've got loads of individual stars and they're great to watch but they're just not clicking together on the pitch Okay, Uh, and their coach has come under fire from Hope Solo who is a badass goalkeeping or ex-goalkeeper from the USA who's doing a lot of the BBC stuff and if you want an opinionated woman she is the person to tune into (laughs) so Scotland have lost both their matches sadly but they've still got one more and they do still have a slim chance of making it through to the last 16 so all is not lost for the Scots okay and I said we're going to talk about why we call it the Women's World Cup I know I guess that we are distinguishing it from the World Cup which is men's but yes how do you feel about that? Do you-, do you know what? I have had this argument with my producer on talk radio because I do the news during the week oh. with Eamon Holmes and we've had this argument this week and he's really wound me up about it. <laughs> and he's told me that because I believe that it's okay being called the Women's World Cup, I am ingrained with misogyny, that, that, that I've basically been subjected <laughs> You're in, a man my, hater. in my, whatever, 17-year sport broadcasting oh. career. Um, I have been affected by yep. all the misogynist men. I'm fine with calling it the Women's World Cup because it's a celebration of women. It's a World Cup of women. And so why shouldn't we stick to that branding? It's not a World Cup. It's not a Cricket World Cup. It's not any other World Cup. It's a bit presumptive that we call the Football World Cup the World, the World Cup, Cup and not the Football World Cup. But I think it's nice to recognise that this is the Women's World Cup. Do you think we should call the other World Cup the Men's World Cup? I mean, I suppose technically it is, but yeah. because... And this is where the argument comes in. Because it's the way it always has been, it's just known known as the World Cup. But I have to say, in other countries where football's not the main sport, I'm not sure it's known as the World Cup. It's just in this country. And I guess, OK, 
the World Cup has been around for a lot longer than the Women's World Cup, which is in its eighth edition. So yep. it certainly hasn't been around as long. But yeah, I, I don't have a problem with women. No, because it's about focus, isn't it? And that's, I think this is what people forget, is that we are up, we are trying to elevate women's football. Yeah. I feel like this year it's been the most elevated. In fact, mm. I was walking through past a betting shop in near my house in East London, and I don't like betting shops. Okay. But the window shops were full of posters about betting on women's football. Which is great, and right? that's the, Yeah, it's the first time I've seen it, and that's an element of normality that, that yes. we have it. So I think when you're trying to pull focus to something, I think you have to highlight the difference until yeah. we get to a point where we don't have to highlight the difference. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's a really valid point. Maybe in the future, yeah. we won't have to highlight the difference. But for now, let's celebrate it and let's enjoy the fact that we're seeing our, our female athletes and they are brilliant athletes, full-time professionals. You know, now a little girl can watch the World Cup Absolutely. and say, Mummy, I'd like yeah. to be a yeah. professional footballer mm. just like them. And that's magical for people like me who were never even taught football at school. I never knew it yeah. existed I've for girls. I've seen a lot of uh, stuff on social media where their kids are watching the football and there's, yeah. like, young boys watching it and they, they are seeing it just as football. Yes, mm. they don't and notice the gender yeah, difference, do exactly. they? Exactly, it's just great. It's a football match. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's what's brilliant about it, as well as all these wonderful role models which are popping up as well. I actually think we've had a surprising lack of outright sexism around it. I, all the men I know are really into it. They're all watching it. I'm not watching it because I grew up in a school that didn't play football and I know nothing about football. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like it's just actually a celebration of our nation, yeah. national, support, national sport everyone's really got behind it. What's interesting, and, and I think I would agree with you, that if you're a football fan, you are engaged in this and you're yep. watching. And I think kids should be engaged and watching and schools should be promoting it. But how do we encapsulate? How do we get people like you who might watch a World Cup men's match if it was a quarterfinal that involved a barbecue and some wine maybe and, and all of your friends round? Yep. But how do we encapsulate people like you? And I think that's the next biggest test. How do we how do we make this not just for football fans, but, but a kind of a community thing, basically? Yeah, I mean, I have held a grudge against the World Cup ever since a man I fancied cancelled our date in order to go oh and watch God. a match really? that England oh, failed no. on many years ago and then he never rescheduled it. Let it go, so I've never, for, I've never Let forgiven it, it. Don't punish the women for that, <laughs> yeah. goodness yeah. sake. Amanda, you had something interesting you noticed about the US and Thailand match, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it was this incredible score. 13-0. Unbelievable. And there was actually a couple of headlines I read and a few reviews, people saying, well, they should have stopped after a bit. Why did they carry on scoring goals? Rubbish. That was very sporting. And no, I thought, okay. hang on a minute, <laughs> have you ever seen a men's match where someone said, Come on, Spurs West Ham, you've got a couple. Let me yeah. go. Can you, you imagine? Don't. Yeah, but 13 nil, to be honest. I've I used to play roller hockey and we used to get hammered. I played for the worst team, Colchester ladies. We got hammered and people would thrash us and it was like, okay, if you're winning like 13 nil, can we can you just give us a break so we can just play a nice game rather than you just hammering the goals? So that's in? interesting. You would have wanted them to lay off, would yeah. you, in the last quarter of an hour? Yeah, I would. So that actually, because what they could have done is we could have just had a really good game because you've proved that you've you, there was no way we were going to catch up your standard mm. of playing was miles above us but what we could have done is learned quite a lot from playing with you but they didn't we just spent yeah. the whole time trying to defend the goal when you're talking a tournament and you're talking professional athletes and this is no offense at all to you <laughs> 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 you're you're like, like, I, I just want to say just a ladies run a hockey I am offended <laughs> 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 yeah 
Yeah, I think when you're when you're professionals, it would be an insult if the USA backed off. And look, Thailand were there to play a game of football. They qualified just like USA did. They got absolutely tanked, but they probably will look back on those thirteen goals, and it might take a while. But they will probably analyse where it where it went wrong for them too. And use it as their fuel, isn't it? Use it as your fuel to get better and just yes, it. yeah, absolutely. It doesn't not well. Do you think? Still bitter. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell? I'm actually dealing with a lot of sports bitterness. <laughs> what should we be looking out for in the coming matches what's going to be a good one um well you can watch the usa in action again tomorrow are um, they the favorites they are they? they are the favorites along yeah. with france who are playing beautifully if you want a great example of amazonian women live athletic the, they are the best the french they look absolutely they brilliant when win? they play do you think they, they might are win? so right. basically it's over in france so it's a host nation france usa tip to win um england are one of the favorites and you'll see them in action again against japan on wednesday i think it is i'm gonna put a little bet on the england team this has been the badass women's hour podcast with me harriet minter natalie campbell and ms sexton if you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.